like to extend a warm welcome to you all to the Denton's Pod Chat. My name is Lynn Harrison. I'm a partner in the restructuring and insolvency and bankruptcy group of the international law firm of Denton's with more than 200 offices worldwide in 80 countries. Today, it is my pleasure to bring to you the second of a series of podcasts addressing some of the current topics relating to cross-border insolvencies in Asia. In particular, we will be looking at the concept of Comey, center of main interest and how it's evolving in Asia. First, let me introduce my structuring colleagues, David McIntosh and Sydney, Sydney, Debbie Lim in Singapore, David Kwok in Hong Kong. David McIntosh, can you just briefly describe why this is an important topic and why we should be taking this up? Uh, thanks, Lynn. Uh, good to be with you. And hi to Debbie and, and David. Um, when we look at Comey in Australia, we, we look at it through the prism of the model law, which has been operating here uh, for approximately 15 years. Uh, the reason why it's important to us is because um, it, it, the, the case law uh, that has been evolving has been slow, and we don't have a huge amount of cases that come out uh, that deal with the question of Comey. Uh, when we look at, think about Comey, we think about it through the prism of the, the model law. And, and the reason why it's sort of a relevant topic for us is because the development of the law around Comey in Australia has been relatively slow. We don't have a lot of cases that come out um, from our courts that deal with this question. Um, so it has been slow moving and the boundaries um, as to how our courts approach the question of Comey determination are still being set. Um, and because of that, it makes applications for recognition of foreign proceedings in Australia um, less clear and less certain. Well, you know, David, that's interesting because in the United States, as you know, uh, we have a well-developed uh, uh, precedent when it comes to um, the model law. And obviously, Europe is, is ahead of everyone when it comes to the European regulation. So it's good to hear um, that, that, that Australia is, is moving in that direction. Yes, it, it, it also, what, what is emerging for us is that our courts, are, when looking at the question of Comey, uh, are looking at what's happening in other jurisdictions. And what is quite clear to us, at least, is that um, the approach to the determination of the Comey question seems to be different in different jurisdictions. And our courts aren't necessarily following the lead from, say, the approach that the US courts take uh, under Chapter 15 applications as to how they deal with the, the Comey question. Um, so, you know, it for us, it's still very much, um, there's an element of doubt about how the approach, the courts will approach the determination of that question. Um, and of course, as we all know on this call, that under the model law, how that question is determined, um, and, and I guess in addition to that, when it is determined, um, can have significant implications uh, on your application for recognition. So, so let's take that up, Bob. You said that there wasn't that much development in the law. Have there been any recent cases that you can highlight? Maybe one case that that that's cutting edge or that's come to the forefront 
when when developing this concept of Comey in Australia? Uh, there has been, Lynn, there has been a recent decision which is of interest, which probably highlights this point. Um, there was a case about 12 months ago uh, involving a UK company. So it was a company that was registered in the UK um, and it had a registered office in the UK, but it was also a foreign registered company in Australia. And by reason of that, it was also required to have a registered office in Australia. So the, on the, it filed for moratorium proceedings in, in the UK, uh, and it came here seeking recognition of those proceedings as a foreign main proceeding and was seeking all sorts of the, 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 the relief that usually follows from such a recognition, including orders preventing um, the ongoing litigation against that company. Um, the court in that case was satisfied that it, that, that it was a foreign proceeding, um, that the, uh, the, the, the monitors uh, appointed in the UK were foreign representatives. Um, but the question that the court stumbled with was, was whether or not these UK proceedings were taking place uh, yeah, where the Comey of the, the applicant um, existed. Um, and the, the difficulty that the court found itself in was that it, in a sense, they said, well, it has two registered offices. There's a UK registered office and an Australian registered office. Um, obviously, the applicant submitted that the, the, the UK registered office was the obvious one to, to focus on. And in the absence of evidence rebutting the usual presumption under the model law of um, the Comey being where the registered office is, um, it wasn't a question of uh, rebutting the presumption. It was just impossible for the court to determine um, the question of Comey based on registered office where there was two conflicting um, registered officers. So the court then embarked on an exercise of trying to determine Comey independently of those grounding facts, which is the registered office in the UK and the registered office um, in Australia. So that, I think, is a sort of a, a, a an evolution of the process, because it's not uncommon here for us to have um, foreign corporations trading in Australia, but registered as foreign corporations. So this issue can come up um, more frequently. Um, and I think it's probably the first time that, that that sort of clarity has been given around that question. Um, and there's been a lot of debate amongst sort of people interested in this area about whether or not that decision was the right one um, by a single judge in, in the New South Wales Supreme Court or whether or not um, that sort of a, represents a bit of a departure from what the model law had intended around um, the, the, the importance of the registered office as being the, the rebuttable presumption. It was just set aside altogether, and then, and then an exercise was undertaken to determine it based on the extraneous factors um, that your UN people in the UK might be more used to following in cases including Eurofoods, etc., as to how they assess that that uh, that that determination. Well, that's quite interesting. Um, um, let, let's let's take a look at what's going on in Singapore, Debbie. What's um, you, you heard about? the uh, development, or at least a recent development in Australia, and, and one of the leading cases that, that's come out construing um, the definition of Comey. Well, what's going on in Singapore uh, around this issue? Um, so in, in Singapore, we follow the US approach, um, but we take a more nuanced uh, position. Um, so I, I know that US uh, determines Comey at the time of the um, recognition application. 
but the US allows the liquidation activities to be taken into consideration. Um, whereas Singapore, um, we came out quite uh, strongly against that point. So although we follow the US approach, uh, we don't think that it's appropriate to take into account the liquidation activities in determining where the Komi is. Um, so that was actually uh, decided by Justice Edith Abdullah in Ray Zeta Jet. And uh, that was also, um, I think in a recent decision, he also reaffirmed the same thing. Um, so he said that he's going to follow the US approach, but um, he, he won't take into account the liquidation activities. Um, there was actually another recent decision, although there's no reported um, um, this judgment on this uh, by another judge, where he found that uh, although the, um, the business activities were carried out in Singapore, um, the fact that the BBI liquidators, uh, I mean, they were trying to uh, recognize their, uh, the BBI liquidation as foreign main uh, proceedings in Singapore. Um, it, because the, the, the fact that there were no creditors contesting it, um, the, the judge you know, just said that you know, since there's no one contesting it, uh, especially not the recognition per se, um, he's just going to recognize it as, uh, as foreign main uh, proceedings even though he felt that the business activities were actually in Singapore and not so much the BBI. Um, and, you know, just following on the Zetajet decision that, you know, you don't take into account the liquidation activities in determining Komi, it might seem that Singapore would have been the more appropriate uh, center of main interest for this um, business group. But uh, because there's no uh, creditor opposition, uh, the court just, just felt that, you know, he can just recognize it as, as foreign main. Look, let me, let me ask you, Debbie. Is there is there a reason why um, the courts in Singapore have taken the position to recognize Comey as of the date of the primary insolvency proceeding versus when the ancillary proceedings commence? Is there is there a, a, a reason for that? Have they expressed the mm -hmm. reason? So basically, the, the wording of the Singapore model law uses the present tense, so it indicates that matters at oh. Comey will be at the time of the application uh, for recognition. And Understood. I understand that it's quite actually, that's actually different from the Australian approach. Uh. Uh, I, David, is that correct? Because for Australia, I understand that um, Comey is determined at the time of the hearing of the uh, recognition application. Yeah, thanks, Debbie. That, that's correct. Um, and I guess, Lynn, to go back to your, your opening, sort of why is this a topic um, of relevance in, 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 in the Asia-Pacific Rim is that you do have this divergence of approach. And, and Debbie's right. In Australia, we um, the courts here have decided that the, the, the Comey determination is conducted as at the date of the decision around mm -hmm. recognition. Um, as opposed to some earlier time. But, mm. but what, what occurs to me from the, the sort of limited number of cases we have around Comey is that even in circumstances where there has been liquidation or insolvency process activities mm. being going on in the foreign jurisdiction where the foreign main proceedings are taking place, Australian courts so far seem to have overlooked this possible concept of the liquidation activities being regarded as um, being able to be taken into account for the purposes of determining Comey, which I know, as Debbie pointed out, is what the US courts are prepared to do 
I think, for the purposes of Chapter 15. So our courts don't look at that at all, but not because of any particular decision I'm aware of that says you don't. They just haven't. Um, and they rather tend to focus on all of the activities leading up to the original proceedings commencing um, as being the factors that they take into account. And they were factors that the court took into account in the case I just referred to earlier. So, you know, even as close as Australia and Singapore are, um, we have these slightly different approaches and it can obviously have an impact on, on your recognition application. So the, the, these, these subtle differences can have quite significant um, um, impacts on how a court will ultimately determine a recognition application under the model law. Well, the, these slight differences, as you said, David, can make a, a huge difference um, given, you know, um, the tendency of all of us to do a little bit of venue shopping, right, for our clients. Um, these issues are very important um, when, and when making decisions to recognize an insolvency proceeding or to enforce a foreign order or to uh, take discovery or whatever that's necessary. Um, these are the types of items that must be evaluated in the context of an insolvency, cross-border insolvency, for purposes of making sure that the relief that we're seeking is obtainable. Um, so David Kwok, what's going on in, in Hong Kong? I mean, I know there's, Justice Harris is up to um, making a few decisions and, and, and there've been some cutting edge decisions, one in rare earth. And I think you're gonna to talk to us a little bit about another decision that's quite uh, cutting edge when it comes to the issue of Comey. Thank you, Lynn. Uh, lovely to be invited on this pod chat with uh, Debbie and, and David. Um, I mean, just listening to, to David and Debbie, it's 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 fascinating that I can listen to the the, the divergence in in approach for for those jurisdictions, Australia and Singapore. In Hong Kong, it's it's it, the the Hong Kong system still very much represents the old world in terms of the recognition of overseas of foreign liquidators. Hong Kong has not adopted the the model law, so it still it still applies the common law rules that existed back in the day, even in Australia and Singapore before they, they adopted the model law. So the approach in Hong Kong is still very much what is described as modified universalism in, uh, in, in the Singularis case. So the, the decision that you just mentioned, the decision of, of uh, Mr. Justice Harris in Global Brands, it, um, because Hong Kong never adopted the model law, Comey was never adopted in Hong Kong as a, as a concept. It was never adopted as a, a concept for the recognition of overseas liquidators. Um, what just Mr. Justice Harris in Global Brands has, has decided basically has turned all of that on its head. So in a, in a bit of a roundabout way, he has in fact introduced Comey as a condition for the recognition of overseas liquidators in Hong Kong. It is very much, it's a landmark is a word that is, is thrown around quite a bit. This is not just a landmark case. This is a case that, that turns the entire approach to recognition of foreign lawyers on its head. 
David, does he does he does he in fact refer to it as Comey center of main interest, or is or is, or is he using different terminology? Is that the no, term fact, that he's used? No, in fact, he does use the, the term Comey. He does use center of main interest in the in his in his decision. And he, he did that very deliberately. Obviously, he's he's clearly trying to import that concept into Hong Kong law, and he has done that. Um, it is a case that uh, it, it, the, the, the respondents in the case were not represented. So it is like, it is very, very unlikely that it will be appealed. And Justice Harris, Mr. Justice Harris is one of only a handful of, of companies, company court lawyers, uh, company court judges. So it's very unlikely that his decision will not be adopted by other, other, other judges in Hong Kong. Having said that, it is still a first instance decision. So it can be changed subsequently, but at the moment, it very much represents the law. And, and the wording that he uses is very, very strong. He says, no other criteria should be, uh, should be considered in, in considering the recognition of foreign liquidators in Hong Kong. Comey is the sole condition that should be considered. And that is basically making new law in Hong Kong, which is very, very interesting. But it also brings Hong Kong in line with the rest of the world, seemingly, with those jurisdictions, Australia, Singapore, that have introduced, that have adopted the modern law. Well, that's interesting because um, you would think that what's the reason why we're getting these developments in Hong Kong, could it be because of the competition for insolvency cases from other jurisdictions, including Australia and Singapore? Is that, is that maybe some of the rationale that, that Justice Harris in Hong Kong is now moving towards the concept of Comey? Or, or, or is there some other reason that's going on here? If you know. Um, Yes, well, it's, uh, it's, it's partly practical and it's partly political. Um, practical in terms of, uh, in the judgment itself, Mr. Justice Harris, he refers to uh, those, those offshore jurisdictions that companies are often incorporated in as, as basically letterbox jurisdictions. The management of those companies have no connection whatsoever with those jurisdictions. They, most of the management have, haven't even ever set foot in those jurisdictions. And so practically they want to make sure, they want to ensure that the, the law that is applied to those, those, those li liquidations is the law in which those companies actually operate. And that is the Comey concept. The, the political aspect, and I'm sure everyone, everyone understands the, the current political climate, and that is um, jurisdictions don't want to give up their, their, their sovereignty over, over matters, especially liquidation matters. And this, again, is a way of not giving up their sovereignty to these so-called letterbox jurisdictions. Um, in Hong Kong very much, mainland China, which Hong Kong is very much influenced by at the moment, uh, the, one of the reasons that Comey, and it, it is identified in, the, in, in Mr. Justice Harris's judgment as well, and that is the, the arrangement of mutual recognition of insolvency uh, proceedings in mainland China and in Hong Kong. Mainland China uh, very much adopts a, a very much uh, a Comey type approach. 
And so Hong Kong, again, is very much influenced by mainland China, is doing the same and adopting Comey as its sole criteria for recognizing foreign liquidations. Well, Debbie, what, Debbie, uh, are, are you um, um, convinced that, that maybe it's the movement by Hong Kong could be in response to the rapid development of, of you know, Singapore becoming a restructuring hub um, when it comes to Comey? Mm, I, I think yes and no, right? Because whether there's a recognition application will also de be determined on whether there are any assets in the jurisdiction uh, re recognition is being sought. Um, so, I mean, obviously, if there's uh, Hong Kong assets, then the recognition application will be taken out in Hong Kong. And I mean, similarly, um, uh, if, there's if there's assets in Singapore, then um, an application will be made in Singapore. So I don't see it completely as a as a competition uh, kind of uh, point of view. David? Hi, Lynn. I, I just, I'm interested to ask David um, whether uh, uh, that decision uh, that you've just been referring to, um, we, we talked a little bit earlier about the, the concept of whether or not you can take into account the liquidation activities of the, the, the company in, in your assessment of Comey. Did, did Justice Harris in his decision um, do that at all, or was his his analysis as to the question of Comey purely based on um, the pre-insolvency activities of, of the company? Thanks, David. He he did he did briefly mention it, and he did uh, the the judgment uh, refers to both part well, the parties having agreed uh, agreed that the liquidation activities could also have caused the Comey to shift. Um, he left that open. He didn't actually decide on that. And so the, the, the final decision was that there was a possibility that Comey could be in its, interestingly in this case, um, the, the, the liquidators actually came from the uh, jurisdiction of incorporation of that, of that, of that company. Um, so he did consider that although Comey may have at one stage been in, uh, the Comey initially should have been in, in the mainland, and, but because of the liquidation activities in its home jurisdiction of uh, Bermuda, uh, there was consideration, there was, it was left open the possibility that the Comey could have shifted to Bermuda at the stage that, liquidated, that the company was liquidated. It, yeah, it seems to me, Lynn, um, that um, what we what, what where the world is headed is that there's this dividing line now emerging between whether or not on this question of Comey these post appointment activities can be taken into account or not in determining that question, and I think that's clearly a, a, a diverge a emerging issue in 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 our uh, region in the Asia Pacific region. Um, where, you know, as we've just been discussing, these the jurisprudence is emerging. Um, it's clear, obviously, in a jurisdiction like yours, where it's more settled and certain, it's clear that those activities can be taken into account. But th this seems to me to be the great dividing line that's emerging globally around this question is, do you or don't you take those activities into account? To me, my own opinion is that to take those uh, liquidation activities into account is somewhat of a fiction in terms of trying to decide where was the company actually engaging 
with its creditors and the people who deal with it day to day versus people who are engaging with the actual insolvency process itself. To me, it's a it's somewhat of a fiction. I I don't I'm not a fan of the US approach, but I understand probably why it is. I think if I have a view on it at all, I think where Singapore has landed early in the piece and how they're adopting and approaching this question is probably the, the best one. And as I said, we haven't yet in Australia um, really grappled with this question in a meaningful way yet, but it's going to come for us, um, I think, at some stage. But that, to me, seems to be just this, this where this issue is headed globally. It's sort of a, there's a sort of a, a, a dividing line where, where different jurisdictions are falling either side of it or swirling somewhere around the middle. And right. that's what makes that, as you've said, there's going to be this opportunity for, to, to forum shop potentially where you can use the insolvency to, to move Comey for the purposes of these applications, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I, I'm not. I'm not going to comment on. But um, well, that's probably for a different different podcast session. But um, yeah. it is certainly where uh, I think something that we all, as practitioners in this field, um, you know, need to stay across and be aware of because it it, it definitely has an impl implications. Well, you, know, you mentioned Singapore, and maybe we'll end uh, have have Debbie. Um, um, say the last word on this topic um, since it, you know Singapore seems to be out ahead of um, Australia and, and Hong Kong on this front. Debbie, do you have any uh, final comments on the discussion so far? Mm, well, even if the Comey is, uh, is I, I mean, they, they find that it's not going to be recognized as a uh, foreign name, I mean, if there's an establishment, I mean, you can still recognize the foreign insolvency proceedings as a uh, foreign non -name. Yeah, right. exactly. So it won't be fatal to the liquidators' costs, even if they are not recognized as foreign main proceedings. Um, that's, that's one point. Uh, the second point would be that the Singapore court in Ray Zeta Jet actually said that they don't agree the Australian approach uh, in, in determining it as at the time of the hearing of the application. So I'm wondering whether uh, future Australian decisions will take that into consideration and um, uh, whether they will also consider the Singapore approach and the US approach. Uh, I think that's a question for David. Well, I think I can only answer that, Debbie, by saying that if I was making an application, it would be my submission, depending on which side I was on, but it would certainly be my view that that, that Singapore approach um, is the preferred one and that where our courts have so far gone with this is not quite in the right place. So I, I would think that that the due attention ought be paid to the to the decisions of the Singapore court on this question. Um, but you know, it's a, it's an evolving um, space for us too. So that as as we all know, different different jurisdictions and different judges have have differing approaches to these questions. So it's it's what sort of makes it interesting for us, I guess. But that that would be my my view is that that's where it should head. Whether it does, I, I, I it remains to be seen. Well, I, I think we can say in sum that uh, we all agree that this issue um, of Comey um, isn't going anywhere, and we should probably continue to keep abreast of these events as they evolve in Asia. Well, that's a wrap for this session of Pod Chat. In our next episode in this series, we will take a look at what's going on in Europe when it comes to Comey and some of the issues we just discussed. Stay tuned. Thanks.